This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. I just saw Luke at Operation Football in Charlotte, uh, and you're back. You have a big smile on your face, Luke DeCock. You can follow him on X at Luke DeCock. And that's kind of weird. You're on X, Luke. I don't care. So weird. Just, yeah, you threw me off. I was like, no, that's not right, Adam. <laughs> I just said that. Uh, yeah, everybody's on X these days. Strange that we're going to get away with that. Um, real, your big picture takeaway from what we uh, what we talked about or everything that happened over the last three days in Charlotte is what? That the ACC, for the first time in a couple of years, isn't in a perpetual moment of immediate crisis and existential crisis. And part of that's because there's no TV money out there, which is what prompted the Oklahoma-Texas move that kind of overshadowed kickoff two years ago. And it's what prompted the USC-UCLA move that sort of overshadowed kickoff last year. And, you know, like this media operation in three days this year, two days previously, um, there's a sort of convention feel to it. It's kind of everybody in the ACC getting together. It's the closest thing to the basketball tournament that we have for football. And because of that, when you have these sort of big picture issues that overshadow things, I think there's more of a sense of panic than there would be if it just happened in June. And and I think we definitely saw that last year where it's USC and UCLA happens. Everyone comes to kick off like, oh, what are we going to do? It's crazy. ACC's in big trouble. Grant rights. Well, we spent the last year talking about that. Nobody's been able to figure out a way around the granite rights. And all the squeaky wheels at <coughs> Cough, Florida State, and elsewhere got slapped around at Amelia Island when they got called on their bluff. And so now everybody's quiet. And they're just there's no reason for anybody to move because there's no TV money. The Pac-12 is finding that out the extremely hard way as we speak. Um, the you know Pac-12 is more likely to end up on the ACC network if the ACC is a rights holder of another conference, which is a, a wild thing. Can you imagine yeah. Jim Phillips and Jimmy Pitaro at ESPN sitting down to do the Pac-12 football television <laughs> schedule? Uh, but that was my takeaway. You got a couple national potential national title contenders. You got a couple sleeper teams that could make a run at the ACC title, and that's what people were talking about: the quarterbacks. Uh, is Florida State for real? Is Clemson, you know, can they, can they keep it up? How about State? How about Carolina? No one was worried about, you know, uh, Virginia jumping to the Pac-12 right. or whatever. So that was my takeaway is this, this is a moment of relative calm. Of course, I wrote that tempting fate, and then, you know, 12 hours later, Colorado jumps to the Big 12, or, and we're, we're, we're right back right. where we started. And Colo- that's, that's- Colorado jumps. And then Jim Phillips tells David Hale and Andrea Adelson that we would be open to expansion. Again, and we know right now that expansion is likely not going to involve Notre Dame unless their TV money is also dried up, which I guess may be the case. But everything I've read is that uh, NBC would still be able to provide Notre Dame with enough financial backing uh, where it would not have to be a financial move for them if if that's incorrect then maybe notre dame is part of it yeah uh, but then i'm hearing I mean, that the that oregon and washington would be open to having an arrangement with the acc and i just don't know where this is ever going to end i know none of it is good no none of it is good and, and i don't think i think the usc ucla thing is one of the worst thing anyone and has done for college athletes and a long, long time. I think it's going to be terrible for athletes in the Big Ten. Not just at USC and right. UCLA, but across the Big Ten. 
Uh, I don't think it makes any sense to have a conference in, uh, with with NC State and UNC and Oregon and Washington in it. But that that you know, football ruins everything. That's the one thing we've learned in this last decade of college sports. Right. Everything football touches, it ruins. Um, you know, I think I think there is more of a window for Notre Dame to enter the ACC now than there was last year, than there was two years ago when Jack Swarbrick and Greg Sankey were trying to push through their little college football playoff expansion plan that filled all their needs um, and got and got called on that. Uh, Mike, here's, you raised the point about finances with NBC, and I think you're right about that. I think the flip side is if Notre Dame finds out that they are the biggest property on Peacock, then suddenly the ESPN option with the ACC might might look a little better. And Because in the end, Notre Dame's insistence on football independence is about arrogance. It's about ego. It's about saying we're bigger than everyone else. We have our own TV mm-hmm. deal. We're on NBC. We play games in Ireland. We play the schedule that we insist is some sort of you know, purity. There's the, if we play Stanford, that's not like anyone else playing a cross country game. It's Notre Dame Stanford, of course. It's blessed by Saint Stanford. <laughs> um, you you start playing on Peacock and your yeah. lead in is Real Housewives or whatever. Uh, your your ego and your perception of your program as this thing that's above everyone else might change. Um, so you know, or the money. Hey, NBC tells Notre Dame that hey, look, man, times are tight for everybody. And, you know, we're giving you the Pac-12 treatment. We want you back, but we're not going to blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, maybe ACC and the ESPN do look – or ESPN and the ACC do start to look good. But, I'm no, like, I don't think we're done with it, Adam, but I think it, I think it's a lot harder for parts to move now than it did – than it was a summer ago, than it was two summers ago. There's, there is no television money out there. You even – and the reason Phillips can say, hey, we would expand – because he knows even Notre Dame at this point in this market in the summer of 2023 wouldn't move the needle on television rights fees. There just isn't the money out there. ESPN's looking at, or Disney is looking at doing some sort of strategic partnership in ESPN, yeah. which may mean pulling it off of ABC and putting it into NBC Universal. It may mean co-opting the NBA or the, I mean, the market is terrible. And the last thing you want to do is be that casino host in the Pac-12 <laughs> trying to sell your league to somebody, and all anyone's telling you is, well, you know, maybe uh, maybe Paramount Plus would be interested in the Pac-12 after dark, something wow. like that. Uh, Luke Takak of the NNO. Let, let me, uh, before we only have a few more minutes left, let me uh, fold this into uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. Vladimir Tarasenko opted for a one-year, five-year deal, uh, one-year, five-million-dollar deal with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, I never really could close my eyes and and process Tarasenko with Carolina because I couldn't figure out, uh, was he really going to forecheck like that? Was he really going to play Carolina style since the Hurricanes play one way? Every line plays the same type of way. So I never really bought into that. Um, and Tony D'Angelo is here now. Sebastian Ajo's got a new contract. I actually think the Hurricanes have done pretty good business so far in the offseason. Where are they? Adam Golden Studio with my man, Coach Pete DeRuta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. You have a 401k, but you're changing jobs. You're taking that 401k with you. Next step. Well, a lot of people leave it behind, which is not a good thing. I mean, if you're not at the company anymore, your 401k shouldn't either. And that's when it's time for my 401k survival Oh, oh look box at that. Set. You see it right here. I've got workbooks, <laughs> guidebooks, DVDs in here that explain everything about your 401k. More importantly, how to build a lifetime income. It's a $300 value. I'm also going to give you a total retirement plan, which is a $1,000 value for the next 18 of you who call right now. No cost or obligation. Call 
888-843-0013 or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Yeah, no, I think they're in good shape. I, the one area that, that I would look at, which I don't think they will because I think they're okay with the Asperi Kokiemi injector is, is, is looking to upgrade down the middle. Well, but you, that, you and I they, are on the same. Yeah, we're, we, we yeah, think alike there. Yeah, that they seem okay with that. Um, I wouldn't have re- I wouldn't have gone out and gotten Tony D'Angelo, but you know, every time Tom Dundon thinks he's getting a five million dollar player for one point six million, it just always happens to be Tony D'Angelo. Um, <laughs> and that's also a small enough deal where if things don't go well or whatever, they can bury him in the minors. They can even buy him out. Uh, my guess is he ends up playing about thirty games when someone's hurt or in the second half of back to back on road trips when the second power play unit's struggling. Um, so I, it's not like a huge deal. There's, this isn't like two years ago when they had everything riding on Tony D'Angelo. He's basically a, an extra spare tire in the trunk at this point. And look, he's proven he can come here and you know keep his nose clean and not cause problems, except unless he, except in the playoffs and they play the Bruins or the Rangers, which certainly could happen again. Uh, but no, I, I've said this all along. I said this after July 1st in that week. I was on vacation, so I didn't really write it then, but I've written it since. I think they did really good business. I think you look up and down the changes they've made this summer. They brought the goalies back, which you could say, hey, maybe they wanted to upgrade a little. But they did it at a price that allows them to do so many other things on the roster. Sure. Uh, the Orlov deal was a great weaponization of short-term cap space. It's one of the things they do really well. You know, people were like, oh, they're, they're out there. They're, they're in the free agent market. It's like, well, no, they're just doing what they always do. They spotted something that works for them and they're willing to overpay for two years rather than do a five-year deal um bunting fills a need and that's when you get back to tarasenko and the question you ask about him i really thought he was the guy that could have helped them at the deadline last year at the right price obviously the rangers got there first and he didn't do a ton for them just given the lack of scoring on the wings with the injured players um i wasn't as excited about bringing him in as a free agent this summer not just for the reasons that that you suggest, but I, I, you just look at the course of his career over the last few years. You're really taking on a reclamation project. To me, he's the guy and the guy who signs a one-year, $5 million deal with Ottawa and hopes he plays well and gets to a team that's any good. So uh, I don't think there's any – nothing's lost there right. for the Hurricanes. There's no missed opportunity there. If there was a missed opportunity, it was last March with Tarasenko, right. and I, even then maybe there wasn't. I agree. Uh, real quick about this, because you seem to think that uh, they go into the season with the roster that they have, which means seven NHL defensemen, no offense, Dylan Coughlin, uh, if we add him, it's eight. Um, I think that if there's going to be a deal m- made with a defenseman, meaning Be- Brett Pesci, just like Justin Falk uh, five years ago, it doesn't happen until training camp. Um, but I mean, I've, I'd be more than happy to go into the season with the roster that they've got. Yeah, well, and the thing is, okay, yes. Is there some semi-immediate pressure to deal with the contract situations, whether it's Pesci or Shea or even uh, uh, Tebo Teravine and these guys who are up after the season? Yeah, of course there is, and, and especially when you're dealing with an asset like Brett Pesci, someone who's going to be very desirable to other teams. You you want to make sure you do that right. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any rush. I don't think there's any rush – in November, um, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it, especially now that you have Orlov, you have this huge sort of cushion in your defensive depth. Uh, but but no, I, I if that deal didn't happen at the draft, which obviously it didn't, um, and there's no new contract out there, then no, I don't think there's any hurry with that. That could be a trade deadline deal. 
Um, you know, as crazy as that sounds, um, they will at some point, and they may get to this point with Teravinen as well, they will at some point have to make sure that doesn't become an asset they lose for nothing. It's not a big enough cap number where you say, okay, like the Leafs are trying to talk themselves into with Nylander, where you say, okay, if he rocks, well, that's not great, but then we have $10 million to spend we didn't otherwise um, that's not the case here. You got to get something if if, if you're going to make that change. Oh, I, you know what? I don't think you do. <laughs> uh, I think the uh, the asset that you want is to raise a cup, and I think Brett Pesci gets you closer to winning a Stanley Cup than not having Brett Pesci because they're not replacing Brett Pesci, right? I just think that they're. I just I don't think they. I don't think they're closer to winning a cup uh, unless you're bringing in a stud. Uh, that can play in your top six, preferably in the middle. I just don't think you're getting better. And I think that everything this year should be about winning a Stanley Cup. This is the group that's got to go really push for it. But that's just uh, that's just what I think. Uh, welcome back from Charlotte, Luke. I missed you on the train last night. I drove this time. No train for me. What a mistake. Missed traffic, and that's... That's the that that was a lucky break. So. All right, AG. <laughs> I mean, I'll talk to you later. Luke DeCock of the News and Observer here on the Adam Gold Show. I chose William Peace University because of the small class sizes. I feel that you get more one-on-one time with teachers with class sizes like about 16 per teacher. You can really get that one-on-one help a lot of students need. A 12 to 1 student to faculty ratio is just one of the many reasons students choose William Peace University. Extra attention starts day one for career planning with their Career Services Center. Find out all they have to offer at peace.edu.